0: Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. She is the lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care. She is the most insanely in shape person I know. She's running right by our house soon. You're running in the Chicago Marathon, aren't you?
1: I am indeed.
0: Yeah, so if you see a lady running in the marathon with six cats following behind her, it is probably the lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care, Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. Hello, Dr. Lobos.
1: (laughs) Hey, good morning, Steve. How are you?
0: I am great, thank you. You know, our kids have just gone back to school recently, very recently in many cases. The pets are acting just a little strange, a little off, maybe even exhibiting some separation distress. So what do you do?
1: right i know it's it can be a big change for the kids a big change for the parents out there and a big change for our pets because they likely if you're anything like one of my three dogs um here have been yeah you know have gotten used to having um everybody home and maybe going on adventures and vacations and hikes and things like that um with the whole family and now all of a sudden it's you know, very quiet in the house, and they don't know what to do with all of that quietness. Uh, And so really, one, I think, uh, you know, having that good dose of patience and grace with both ourselves as well as our pets to understand that there is that change that's happening. And so, you know, if you have the opportunity and the flexibility, um, maybe coming home during the day, if you're now, you know, a lot of us have gone back to the office, um, you know, so having, maybe you can come home at, on your lunch break and give them a little break as well, take them out, even a 10 to 15 minute walk for them, if you've got a dog or if you've leash trained your cats, um, can really just, again, give them that reassurance, um, or even practicing on the, on the weekends and, getting ready as if you would for work and or school and leaving the house for just maybe 30 minutes and coming back and so that that way you know our dogs and our cats understand that when we leave it doesn't mean we're gone for what seems like an eternity in their brains but that we are going to come back on a frequent basis now
0: separation um, separation anxiety would be a whole different discussion it would take you and I at least a half hour just to talk about that alone so I'm going to leave that part of it there. How important, are two questions, how important yeah. is structure, a consistent schedule to the best of your ability, day after day after day after day, at least Monday through Friday? And the second question is the importance of something I know you believe in, and you touched on it very briefly, but I want to talk about it further, and that's exercise in particular for our dogs. But we can move our cats around a little more, or they can they can take an interactive cat toy, and with a feather or fabric at the end, and there the cat goes. So, how important is all of that?
1: Yeah, great question. So, just like our human children, our four leggeds do thrive on structure and routine. It helps them to kind of know what to expect, what's coming next get in the right mental state of mind and, and all of that. So, as and I'll, I'll use my, uh, my yellow Labrador Finn as an example. We, uh, at our house uh, with my son, we have a, a bedtime of about eight o'clock for him. So at about 745, Finn starts to meander down the hallway towards Alexander's bed, at bedroom and starts to lay down there because he knows that the nighttime routine is happening. He's going to get to hop up on the bed for a little bit while we have story time and all of that. So he knows what to expect. It always blows my mind that he can somehow read the clock. Um, But, you know, so having that Monday through Friday routine, if you can for your pets also helps to set them up for success over the weekend and, and throughout the time that you're gone um, and to your second question, the other thing that really helps to set them up for success is getting some good physical and mental exercise. So and it doesn't, it again, it doesn't have to be, you know, going on epic long 10, 15-mile runs. It can be something as simple as a 10 to 15-minute walk. Um, or for our cats, you know, an opportunity to play, like you said, with a feather on a string for two or three minutes and just let them get all of those wiggles out. Um, Or for, you know, that mental exercise, some food puzzles are great, cats love boxes, so setting up a little maze for them that they kind of have to negotiate through and navigate through can be just a way to not only use their physical exercise, but also their mental exercise at the same time. And that oftentimes, getting all of that out for them will help them just feel more relaxed, uh, more mentally stable and at ease when you're away.
0: Even better, I mean, uh, yes, everything you said, absolutely true. So I don't mean in the, in that way, but maybe yeah. even if you want to step it up, it's never too late to learn, you know. So going to a, a, a nose work class yeah. for dogs yeah. where they learn to distinguish various scents or even doing a version of that in your own home. Or, or uh, an agility class, again, even if it's only two or three days a week, if you're inclined to do something like that, good idea?
1: Absolutely. And I love, I'm a big fan of nose work in the sense that even, uh, you know, you can, your pets can do it into their senior golden years, you know. So uh, while agility and um, fly ball and some of that stuff, dock diving and all of that can be really great for our younger pets. We don't want to forget our senior pets who oftentimes also have a little bit more trouble adapting to change, right? <laughs> I think the same could be said for our human population. Um, but nose work is something that uses their their brains and all of that in such a great, low impact way that you can you know, your dog can do it into their teenage years if you're lucky enough to have them that long. So Absolutely a great way to not only learn, but then also continue to use that that mental energy.
0: See, the kids aren't the only ones in school. It's the dogs, too. At least, potentially, that's the case, right?
1: That's right. Absolutely.
0: All right. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of things when we come back. I want to talk about nutrition, specifically for puppies and for kittens. I think there are some misconceptions about both these things. And I want to know what you'll be wearing for the Chicago Marathon so people can look for you. Now, that's pressure. And we will come back right here on WGN with Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos, lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care. Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos, lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care. As I said earlier, I think I introduced you this way, is the most in-shape person I know. I mean, when you have a day off just for fun, you run 15 miles. You think that, oh, that's that's what I do in my... So you're going to be running yet another marathon. How many marathons have you done?
1: Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 or 23. <laughs>
0: when someone doesn't know the answer to how many marathons they've done... Maybe they've run too many marathons. I don't know, but you're running the Chicago Marathon. So, what are are you going to be wearing? A, a, a shirt with a cat on it or a dog?
1: Well, I'm I'm running in in um, honor of Paws Chicago, one of the large uh, no kill shelters there in the Chicagoland area, uh, but. So I may have their singlet on. A lot of it is going to depend on what the weather is. So I can I'll be totally honest, I have not picked out my outfit yet. It's still 8 9 weeks away.
0: But you <laughs> will have but you will have seven cats following you all along the way, right?
1: Well, naturally. You'll yes. be yeah, you'll be I'll dropping tuna though, so that they don't have to run the whole marathon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. They rotate, you don't. <laughs> so we talked earlier about exercise actually for our dog. So let's say You've gone to Paw Chicago, the Anti-Cruelty Society, Chicago Canine Rescue, Treehouse Animal Shelter, whatever, Treehouse Humane Society, I should get that right, Uh, or Harmony House Cat Shelter, wherever you've gone, Chicago Animal Care and Control. Uh, We've talked to Anderson Humane Society. They took in a lot of the beagles, by the way, from that laboratory. But wherever you happen to go to adopt a dog or you go to a dog breeder, and adopt a young dog, say a puppy or a kitten, well, what do you do with nutrition? So for the first thing is that they've been eating, obviously. Do you feed them the same food? And if so, for how long if you say, I'd rather have a different food, but do you do that overnight?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there with I know. The nutrition questions. Um, so certainly you're you know you're going to have a likely you 've picked out a veterinarian for your new four legged that you 're bringing into your house, so certainly having a conversation with them is going to be um, critical to start off uh, with not only great nutrition but setting up a great health care plan for the the new life that you've brought in there um, but you know having also a lot of times some of the rescue groups will send home a sample or a whole bag of whatever they've been feeding and you know, Most of these shelters and rescue groups have great uh, relationships with outstanding and upstanding pet food manufacturers, but I will say, you know, there are two things that I talk to my clients about, about when they're trying to decide on what to feed is you want to make sure that it has the manufacturer's name and phone number on there so that you can at least call them and talk to a live person if you have a question or concern about that food And then secondly, that it has an ASCO statement. It's going to be on the bag kind of right near where the ingredients are usually. And it will say that it is, um, that that food that you're feeding, it, it should read anyway, that it is formulated for the appropriate species, so whether it's a dog or a cat and for their life stage, so whether it's growth or for maintenance. So if you have a puppy or a kitten, you really want to make sure that you're feeding a growth formula because our our puppies and kittens have a higher protein requirement than their adult forms of their same species. Uh, And they also need added things like DHA, which is a really important omega-3 fatty acid for brain development and vision development. So you want to make sure that they've got that to fuel their brains and their eyes for a successful adult life. And then it's really going to boil down to how that, that particular brand and recipe um, does in, and performs in your pet's bodies, uh, because that, I think, is one of the benefits of us having so many options out there is that we can, you know, there's a a smorgasbord to choose from for what is going to digest best and absorb best in our individual cats and dogs and puppies and kittens.
0: All right, so I want to. We, we, you unpacked a lot there, so I want to back <laughs> up a little bit. When you mention AFCO, I want to make sure people know it's on the bag itself. That stands for the uh, Association of American Feed Control Officials, I believe. And yep. they just put the stamp of approval on actually most pet foods. So if it's not AFCO approved, wow, you're in big trouble. So don't use that food <laughs> if it <laughs> doesn't have that label on there, because I'm guessing 90% or more do Uh, but still that doesn't tell us what food to feed our pets and there was a sad for me new statistic out there that I read that I have nothing against pet stores I think pet stores are great we need pet stores I like pet stores as long as they're not selling dogs and cats don't don't sell puppies and kittens they're from puppy mills but aside from that I think pet stores are wonderful many adopt out dogs and cats which is in fact wonderful uh but asking the person who stocks the shelves for their opinion to me dr lobos isn't even helpful I mean, maybe the person can reach something i can't reach or maybe they where is that product i've oh they're around the corner i see they can help you in that way but to decide which food i'm thinking there's really only two choices one would be your own research And the other would be a veterinary professional. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think your veterinarian is certainly going to be your best resource for your specific pet. Again, they're going to know your pet. They know you um, the best. There's another great tool out there. The World Small Animal Association, uh, World Small Animal Veterinary Association has some great tools on their website to help to navigate the information that your, that your listeners are going to find out there on the internet. So they can go to WS, WSAVA.org and put in nutrition toolkit for pets and they will pop up a whole list of some questions that can help you kind of navigate, again, the, the information that you're going to find out there on the Internet. Um, and you can take that, combine it with what your veterinarian is talking about. But I would say some of the pet stores and some of the pet store chains out there, some of the national chains that you'll see, actually do a, a fairly good job of educating their asso- store associates. There's been a big push um, in the last few years to really help to kind of educate those, knowing that oftentimes those pet parents are coming in with a whole host of questions. They wanted to try to serve a little bit as as a resource. So I think kind of taking the combination of, of all of those, uh, that information, and then boiling it down to what, what you like to feed your pet, how you like to see it in the bowl, where it fits in your um, budget as a household, and then what does the best in your specific dog or cat will set y'all all up for a long, happy, successful life.
0: Now I'm setting you up for disaster here because we only have about a minute for you to answer this question that I know. Oh boy. I know. You could talk for three hours on moist or dry for cats? What do you do? Or maybe both.
1: I'm a big fan of both. Our cats are texture oriented eaters, so they need to know that what how it feels in their mouth is going to be an okay source of nutrition for them. So if you have the bonus of starting with a kitten, I am a big fan of exposing them to all sorts of textures and shapes of their kibble and all of that so they get more used to the mouse feel. I like the wet new, you know, the wet recipe in the fact that it's going to give them the hydration that they really, really crave, that they're not great, usually great at drinking water. And so that that wet recipe kind of boosts their hydration. Um, and it's, it tends to be higher in protein. But again, some cats like the crunch. You know, I'm a big fan of Potato chips and crunchy vegetables and all of that. So, certainly the same can be said for our cats. So, having kind of that balance, I think, is the way to go for a long term successful nutritional profile for your cat.
0: Perfect. Well, we know she likes the crunch. So, when you run by, when Dr. Lobos, when you see her run by your house, offer her some potato chips or something. (laughs) Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. Absolutely. Yes, a lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care. Always great. To talk with you.
1: Great talking to you too, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: I just returned, you can tell, right? I I look suntan. From Holbox Island, that's off the coast of Mexico, not far from Cancun. We went there, Robin and I did, to swim with whale sharks. Sharks! We did. They're whale sharks, they're not really dangerous. It was amazing. But what I want to talk about are the dogs. We had no idea until I got to the island. That, and it's a small island, that dogs are everywhere, and I do mean everywhere. Obviously, an island, there's beaches, and they're on the beaches. Uh, But they're wandering around, they're wandering the streets, they're wandering everywhere, in and out of stores, in and out of restaurants, even. They're owned for the most part, they have collars and tags. Someone, the dogs do return somewhere most nights, wherever they live. I learned a lot just by asking folks who live on the island about these dogs. Uh, So a lot of them, people actually move there. I met a guy who's a baker from Europe. I didn't taste his goods, his bakery goods. We saw him on the beach. He had a leash with three dogs. At the end of each leash, there was a dog. There were three leashes. I asked him about his dogs. He said that he actually moved from, I think it was Germany, to this island Because it's such a dog-loving place. I didn't know this. And to see these dogs, there are upsides of all this and downsides of all this. Now, one upside is that these dogs are so well socialized. And people on the island, they swear there's never a dog fight. And I kind of believe that. I mean, because they're signaling as a behaviorist. I mean, you're watching these dogs and they're signaling. Their appeasement signals, as they're called, are just clear. And the other dogs clearly understand what the other dog is saying. So two dogs, and they mostly know one another. But there are tourists that come from all over, all over the world, and certainly all over Mexico with their entire families, including their dogs, to vacation on this island. So you've got the tourist dogs. You've got a small population of truly stray dogs. And then you have the owned dogs that sometimes are on a leash, but most of them kind of go wherever they want, whenever they want. And the downside of that is, well, dogs being dogs will eat anything they can. And I can't imagine the veterinary care that some of these dogs require because who knows what they eat and do they get complete and balanced diets? I don't know. But if you're a dog lover, this is a great place to go, I think, just for the dogs. Great beaches, beautiful sunsets, and yes, You might have an opportunity, if you go at the right time of year, to swim with whale sharks as well. But for me, it was also all about the dogs. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early, right here on WGN.